Hello everyone. Before we get into it, I have a couple things that I need to tell you about. First up, the gay people love puns. Pins are now officially in existence, which means that when you order them, it is no longer a uncertain pre-order. It's just a regular old order. So that's very exciting. And if you ordered those, they should be delivered to our shop, aka my home, in the next week or so and you will be getting them in the mail shortly thereafter if you placed orders that include a pin and other things you will be getting your whole order at the same time uh speaking of merch we just switched t-shirt printers to a print to order situation so that we can have more kinds of t-shirts and there was a mistake with the Twinkle Twinkle Little Star t-shirts. So if you ordered one of those and you've been waiting a really long time for it, the reason is that we are working that out and you will be getting your shirt as soon as I can possibly get it to you. Thank you all for your patience with that. And uh, we haven't said it in a while, but thank you so much to all of our new patrons and also to those of you who have been donating over the last couple of months. It is so wonderful and helpful and meaningful to both Jesse and myself to have your support, and I really can't express to you how much I appreciate it. Last thing, just need to mention legally that the music in the advert this week is, of course, by Kevin McLeod. And with that... The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled, and that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is no nothing straight about plum velvet <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when i said that <laughs> monocles are impractical but hot i don't for a second believe that she is a straight person i mean i'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva mcgonagall let's talk about harry potter Hello and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am the uh, red and gold menace, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapter four of Goblet of Fire, Back to the Burrow, in which Harry's just waiting around for the Weezys to pick him up and... No one is really quite sure how they're going to arrive. The car rides of the past two books were a clear outlier because Arthur has pulled some strings to get Harry by flu, something that should have come out of the met any of the correspondences about coming to pick up Harry, TBH. The Dursleys are put out by four people bursting through their unused and apparently ginormous fireplace. This goes about as well as you would think, and to top it all off, Fred manages to abuse poor Dudley's understandable hunger for sweets, played off as a quote-unquote practical joke that makes his tongue grow. Harry doesn't care about this one wit because he's off for actual positive family interaction. So, shrug emoji. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah. 
All right, I have a couple quick things to tell you, listeners. One is it's time for you to start sending us your questions for our Pride Q&A episode, because believe it or not, June is barreling towards us. So go to thegailyprofit.com, and then if you click on letters to the editor or like contact or i'm sure there are several different ways that you can get to the page where you can write us a message or you can just email us at thegailyprofit at gmail.com other big exciting news is that episodes of the gaily prophet now go up early and with the bonus content intact on patreon as opposed to just little snippets of bonus content going up the day of the episodes so if this is the push that you need to join us on patreon here it is it exists you'll get it usually 24 hours early and like five to ten minutes longer yeah so for all of y'all that love the completely off-tangent discussions that we often cut down to a minimum during the podcast, I should become one of our patrons. We have several different tiers uh, for all budgets. True, with all the same perks, regardless of the tier. Yeah. Because capitalism is a horcrux. Sure is. And hierarchies are bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Area family terrorized by witches somehow framed as the bad ones in the situation. So angry about this chapter. I think I'm, I was like pretty angry about last chapter, but I'm like very also angry about this chapter. I forgot that this chapter existed. So yes. when you texted me earlier and were like, this chapter is so fucked up. I was like, wait, isn't this the like, wow, Harry is checking Bill out really hard chapter? What do you mean? And then I looked and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. We have so far to go before we get to the fucking burrow. Ugh. I know. We were just so excited to fawn over Bill. And instead, we get to scream about abuse. <laughs> Uh, yep bill who comes as something of a surprise because he's cool sure Uh, anyway let's uh (laughs) let's talk about this chapter i guess (laughs) Uh, we turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else there is more goddamn exposition in this fucking chapter yes not a lot not a lot but when i see it i'm like ugh. I don't need to know about all of Harry's prized possessions. I know them already. He only has four of them. True. I will say that exposition, I guess, felt a little like character buildy to me. I was like, oh, that's cute. That his list of like how these things that have been gifted to him by sort of these male role models of him being his most prized possessions. This is actually sort of sweet information to get about Harry that these are the things that he cares most about that is true and then five years from now we can get me crying about Molly giving Harry her like dead brother's watch Mm -hmm. which is just the best and most worst thing (laughs) (laughs) like everything in the last book just twist the knife a little just a little harder there (laughs) yeah Uh, I did notice the uh, exposition about the Ford Anglia roaming in the woods, though, that I was like, why? 
Also, why bring it up if we never see that car again? I think that's just also a thing that I'm angry about. Uh-huh. I'm like, you bring it up like it's going to be important, and then it never is. Yep. <laughs> you know what's interesting in my life timing-wise is that I, as of like a few nights ago, have been reading The Fellowship of the Ring at night before I fall asleep. And that book hinges on The Hobbit. There is nothing in that book that feels like exposition. Everything that's telling you about what happened in The Hobbit is fully immersed in the plot of the book. Like Gandalf is like, I need to catch you up on everything that happened in a book that you probably didn't read. I will tell you about it because I caught and interrogated a character from that book and I will now tell you about the interrogation it's just like I don't know I feel like you know we had that whole conversation about the exposition and I was like is there a way that this can be done where people can be reminded about what happened in the last book that doesn't feel awkward and then I was like do to do I feel like reading the Lord of the Rings to fall asleep and I was like oh yup there sure is a way to do that see I feel like good exposition you don't remember because it's so seamless in the story like i feel like with bad exposition you're like uh can we just can we just not do this can we just not slog through this and then good exposition you like don't even realize you're getting the exposition because it's just like so smooth into the story yeah Uh, anyway exposition can be good but not here uh, or l- later I will get into exactly why this is definitely not Dudley's chapter. But I definitely just want to focus on the fact that he, like, totally has a scar above his ass from getting a tail removed. Mm. And he clearly has someone's trauma about this. And it's just very sad. It's so sad. I hope he gets a really good tramp stamp over it. Mm, me too. <laughs> when he comes out as like the best bear later in life yeah definitely oh he'd be a good bear he would be such a good bear oh shit i should probably i should add this to my list i was about to say Uh... daddy dudley Processing his trauma through healthy, consensual BDSM. Oh my god. I, I read very. I read a couple of very good top Giles BDSM store fanfics over the past couple of days. Oh, and really? And I'm like... I'll have to Why haven't you deep. sent them to me? That's so rude. Uh, cool. Alright, I only have one more front page. Because this is mostly not a lighthearted chapter. They came via fireplace. It is so rude that they're this late. I am saying this as a late person, but like they're picking Harry up from what they know is a precarious situation. And all they have to do is leave. The, it's like getting being late to a Zoom meeting. You're already in the room. They're essentially already in Harry's living room. There's no excuse for being half an hour late. Unless Ron gave Harry the wrong time, which is the only thing I can think of. And maybe that just never got processed because of the fiasco. Just like being like, hey, we're coming by flu. Look out for us. It's right. never processed either. No. It is, it's, 
I don't I I've I have more sympathy for the Dursleys in this chapter as a group than I ever have before. They are so poorly treated. And Vernon's like, we could have had an engagement. And I'm like, yeah, you you could have had an engagement. As far as you knew, this child was being taken off your hands at 5 p.m. today. It's really yeah. fucked up. I mean, at least he's old enough that if they had an engagement, they could have just left if they really wanted to. But Yeah, right. But it's not like they have to shove all of the Weasleys into a car and drive over. Exactly. Uh, fluing is basically not instantaneous, but close. <laughs> A matter of seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even if, even if, you know, the twins and Ron were running late, they didn't need to come. Even if Arthur was running late, Molly could have come. This is just, there's no excuse for this lateness. And I really don't approve at all. They, they just could have brought Bill to like get Harry's luggage. And then we could have had the like, oh shit moment a little earlier. It really would have improved this chapter. It also would have probably maybe changed the, at least Petunia's mind about witches. <laughs> Fair. I just, I just want to talk about, I just want to bring up the, the cottage cheese and grated celery, which not only isn't a meal, but is the worst snack grated like grated raw celery yeah it it's like not even a whole stick of celery to like dip into the cottage cheese and kind of like hilariously scoop into your mouth it's just like a sprinkling of raw celery which already is a i don't know why you would grate a celery that's all also you can't really grate a celery because it gets all stringy stringy so i don't even know are you calling shenanigans on this description of graded salary? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I can't suspend my disbelief about this. I don't believe that they can grade a salary. <laughs> I, I have another uh, shenanigans call in health and science. So Love a shenanigans call. Yeah. I think that if you live in a home where you have a fireplace that you can like financially deal with the maintenance of, Blocking it off is a waste. <laughs> I agree with you. I don't think the Dursleys did it. I think it was done when they moved into the house. There's a real wave of people blocking off fireplaces in, I don't know, the 60s, 70s. It's a tragedy. I, I grew up in a home where we had a fireplace we never used. And like, so I, I feel very deeply wounded about <laughs> the times I could have had. Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. There's a lot of them. Holy God, there's a lot of them. I just think that the Dursleys have every reason in the world to be super freaked out about a witch coming to their house. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like their reactions are like 110% legit. Things that have happened when witches have come to their home previously, an unwanted baby just mm-hmm. left there without their consent. Yeah. The fucking door broken down and their son was given a pig's tail and then they were marooned on a rock in the middle of the sea with nothing to eat. <laughs> There's no precedent for them being like this this will be chill. 
and yeah. it's also not chill. Even, I feel that even if you were the kind of person who's like naturally chill, you would not be naturally chill by this point. No, I mean, even the, the, the letters flooding the house is a huge, honestly, invasion of privacy and the letters following them, right? As much as we were like, weird witch NSA. Also, the Dursleys are like, weird witch NSA. Like, how do they know where we are? This is fucked up. Yeah. So they, yeah, I would also be totally freaked out and just i don't know i would i would not have consented to have them just come to my home honestly if it if it was me i would have been like right no harry we'll meet them at the park (laughs) like you're selling something on craigslist (laughs) i was about to say (laughs) and not to mention this is after petunia's experience of my sister went to this weird school and like did weird shit and then she died at age 19 or 20 21 21 what the fuck and before that my sister's like creepy weird friend also a witch no good associations here no tried to kill me with a branch went through my room without my permission and read my personal mail yeah yep all of a sudden i'm team dursley's who knew that that could happen (laughs) i mean I am not Team Dursleys because they are adults that are behaving very shit. I mean, c- correction. Vernon is an adult behaving very shittily. I think if he had consumed a, a tongue, whatever the fuck it's called, toffee that made his tongue grow, I wouldn't, I would probably, I would laugh along with this. I'd be like, mm. fuck you, Vernon. But not when it's Dudley because it's a child. Yeah. I don't know. I, I leave, I mean, I'm not Team Dursley to clarify. They're still terrible. But in this chapter, I honestly, I think I still would have felt really bad if it had been Vernon who had eaten the candy. He's just trying so hard to maintain any sense of control over a situation that feels so entirely outside of his control Mm -hmm. and is so entirely outside of his control. I don't think you should throw shit at people, but like throwing china figurines at someone who literally just exploded your living room and then did some horrible thing to your child who's now maybe going to suffocate to death on his own tongue. I'm like, you know what? This is the most reasonable reaction you've had to anything since we met you, Vernon Dursley. I mean, if this chapter had been like, if this chapter was Vernon Dursley put Arthur Weasley in a headlock, I'd be like, legit. Yeah. Your son is having both a panic attack and possibly and possibly choking to death. Right. I mean, I I don't they're past the point of I believe calm mediation where I feel like the sort of lizard brain get the fuck away from my child kicks in and I Yeah. That just feels very legitimate to me. Totally. Yeah, I'm I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what else? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Dudley, who is yes, the un- on the unfortunate, the unfortunate victim of Fred's quote unquote practical joke, right? Uh, which I'm putting in quotation marks because unlike everyone that Fred and George knows personally, uh, we have assessed in book four by book four that witches are just made of tougher material than fragile muggles. So to do a thing like this 
to a fragile muggle like Dudley could have very well killed him. Like, Dudley's having a panic attack, has been in a panic state even before they showed up. And then his tongue is growing by feet. And I'm, like, I'm upset that no one is taking his fear seriously up until then. And I'm also upset that he's even in this position where this kid's being fucking starved. He sees a delicious piece of candy on the floor. I would have eaten that fucking candy. Are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely. I'd have been like, hell yeah. And then choked it death my own tongue. This is all around bad. Even, even, even if it was physiologically totally safe for him to eat it, if they do this to a witch child, the automatic assumption is going to be magic. With a muggle, that's not the case. And I just keep thinking, what if, what if Dudley realistically, which he, what probably would have happened is that he would have pocketed this and he would have eaten it alone in his room later when Arthur Weasley was gone. What would have happened? Would he have died? Because at this point he is so afraid of telling his parents that he's eating food that's he's quote unquote not supposed to be eating would he have just tried to like deal alone in his room and suffocated or you know would his parents have taken him to the fucking hospital and he would have like had his tongue amputated does it wear off after a certain amount of time would this trigger arthur's department to come intervene because it should this is not different from a nose biting teacup this is actually my, this is one of my next points, but so we can get into that. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's atrocious that author as the head of the Department of Misuse of Magical blah blah like extreme muggle baiting and cruelty happens in front of his face. And he, I don't remember much of the next chapter. He kind of just brushes it off. Like there isn't, like this is illegal according to the job that he does and he's just like that was a not a very nice thing to do to this muggle child and it's like this is an illegal thing that you should be reporting and again don't call the cops the justice system is fucked up author should have taken this more seriously than he did i honestly i want to ask you this question because the options in this world are azkaban or fines so i assume Probably not Azkaban for this, I hope. If he reports his own child, then he just has to pay a fine that he, like, is not being paid enough money to have to be able to afford the fine that his kid would have accrued. I just, I can't imagine a scenario in which this following the proper legal channels in this world, much like in the Mughal world, would lead to what should happen, which is some sort of, like, mediation media therapy yeah yeah something with fred and george so that they understand the dangers of their joke candy with muggles and why what they did was deeply unkind and also dangerous you're correct it still angers me that arthur didn't even like sit them down and be like actually this is a really serious thing you guys just did if i remember correctly what happens is arthur is like scolding the twins and then 
says something about just wait till I tell your mother and then Molly comes in and is like tell me what and it, it the book is like it's clear that Arthur didn't actually ever intend to tell Molly what he had, what the twins had done and then they get in trouble with her but then no one seems to take the honestly abusive levels of screaming that Molly does seriously which is for the politics section of the next chapter it's just it's really just badness all the way down and there's definitely there's definitely ways of having I don't want to say conflict resolution but serious discussions about when your children do things that are very cruel that doesn't need to involve screaming you know or even punishment if you can just you can just tell your kids this is why that was a super fun thing to do <laughs> and this is why it's not great and I think that that's more effective, right? Yeah. To to talk to them like people yeah. who are capable of understanding and help them feel empathy. Yeah. You know, but again, we, that's, that's yeah. for, that's for next week, next episode. Okay. What was your next thing? If you had a next thing. I had a question for you. Yeah. Which is... Is there some sort of commentary here about, I wrote, IDK, class, modernity, something with the fake fireplace? I don't know. If I had to guess, we could say it's a very ham-fisted, maybe not metaphor, simile? Is that what I'm looking for? About the Dursleys being more into... Like an artificial look of a thing versus the actual thing itself. Mm-hmm. But allegory. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I was just reading it as it feels very the Dursleys to have just put a fake fireplace in front of their real fireplace. And honestly, if their mantle looks good, a fake fireplace makes sense if you don't feel like doing all the stuff that a fireplace entails. Totally. Because, like, that shit can get annoying. And dirty. Petunia does not like dirty. Yeah. The owls must have broke through the them boarding it up in the first book, though, right? Ooh. Or am I thinking about the movie? Oh. Whoa. Did they come down the chimney? Maybe they boarded it up after the owls. In which case, <laughs> of course, they fucking boarded up their goddamn fireplace after the owls. Yeah, definitely having a shit ton of owls and letters coming out of your fireplace is a reason to... <laughs> nail that shit absolutely brick that shit up (laughs) (sighs) god no wonder (laughs) uh yeah i love owls if a fuck ton of owls came out of my chimney i would definitely reconsider having an open (laughs) chimney (laughs) the only thing allowed to randomly come out of my chimney is bert from mary poppins he can come out of my chimney anytime. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I should rewatch that movie. Yeah, I feel like definitely childhood crush about Dick Van Dyke in that movie. It's utter, utter dreamboat, honestly. Also, he's also, he's also a Sagittarius. He has the same birth date as me. <laughs> and my dog, Inigo Montoya. So that's a really good birthday to have. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. All right. I don't know if you have this, but I am mildly to deeply upset about 
the so author's like you know mu- like muggles can't have a flu hookup what if your child is a fucking witch this is a pretty easy way from the fucking go places other people's houses all that shit and you're just like sorry y'all are muggles I'm like, that does not feel mm-hmm. great that's a really good point Another way that Muggleborns are uh, disadvantaged structurally in the witching world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you need a special powder. So, like... And the government needs to be able to connect you to the flu network. Right. So... Because, Her- I mean, Her- Her- right. Harry is a witch who lives in this home with Muggles. Why is it a big deal to have to hook them up? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Harry should be able to flew to the Weasleys whatever the fuck he is allowed to, question mark? I don't know how that how this works. Yeah, I mean, right. He should be able to go spend a day with Ron if he wants to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. Oh, wow. Are, like, Hermione's parents driving her to wherever the fuck the Weasleys live? Is she taking the day bus? I don't know. <laughs> the night bus, whatever. I guess she's probably getting a ride. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I know we don't ever get a sense of where in the where in England Hermione Hermione lives, but yeah. <sighs> All right. So we get this thing. This is I have two distinct feelings about this scene in which Vernon doesn't say bye to Harry, and Arthur is like, "How dare you not say bye." And then Vernon is like, how dare you, a man who just exploded my living room, try to tell me how to have manners. So maybe this is three things. One, it's super fucked up that they were not going to say bye to Harry. However, it's totally in character of what that family dynamic is, which is a terrible family dynamic. Yeah. And Arthur has now made it incredibly weird for Harry who could have just left without really even clocking that no one said bye to him and gone on with his summer but now he has to hold the information that no one was going to say bye to him unless they were forced to because Arthur made a decision that I don't think I agree with to call Vernon out. Honestly I think that uh, Arthur and Molly don't know the depths of Harry's familiar abuse yeah they must not i think because i think if they knew they would have just circumvented the dursleys altogether they would have arthur would have been like harry wait in your front steps i'm just gonna apparate you back home or whatever the fuck we won't go through this whole flu rigmarole i won't mention that your shitty family doesn't want to say bye to you we just would have been like okay okay cool peace we're we're out you know right so the fact that he's like wait you're not gonna say bye to harry is it is it is deeply awkward and uncomfortable and that's kind of why i'm like do do you just not know are you in or is it like denial or like what yeah i that actually makes sense to me is the only plausible explanation either that or arthur just has i don't know negative idea of like what the fuck this is gonna do to harry you know like which is a possibility, given Arthur's personality. Is it? I don't know. I guess part of his overall vibe is sort of like a little bit 
like awkward weirdo. Yeah. He's very like the dad in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. <laughs> Which we just watched that recently. Really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Real fucking weird. But yes. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Very like absent-minded professor type. So I feel like for me, it kind of plays into the where he wouldn't have maybe picked up on like the tension in the room to be like, but wait, you're not going to say bye to your nephew who's like going to be gone the next like 10 months of the year? Like what? Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> why, would, <laughs> why, why, would, why would you do that? <laughs> I had to learn these social norms about saying bye to people. Why the fuck aren't you doing this shit? Wait. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, you know what? I, you're right. That actually tracks. Hashtag neurodiverse Arthur Reesley. Yeah. All right. Which is all that all that absent-minded professor trope basically is is like. Yeah, neurodiverse. Your brains just fucking wired differently. That's all right. Yeah. Totally. Who the fuck pays attention to details? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird for me to like be anti someone calling someone out for something terrible. Right? In general, I'm all for it. I just wish that he'd done it after Harry left. You know? I'm, like, not even against him doing it. I'm just... I don't like that Harry had to see it. And I think that you're right that that wouldn't even have crossed Arthur's mind. And I do, in this scenario, also think it's totally reasonable for Vernon to be like, fuck you all the way for thinking that you can tell me how to conduct myself, even if Arthur is a million percent right. Because Arthur just blew up his entire (laughs) living room everything about this entire interaction that they've had is just the the dursleys have never had more of a fucking leg to stand on when it comes to distrusting witches yeah and i mean we can be like lol vernon trying to like outclass and out masculine like Puts on his best suit and like blah blah But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, now there's fucking mortar and dust and shit every like all over your fucking living room. Maybe your suit's ruined. That shit's expensive. Like, and then you come into my house and you're like, why are you doing that weird thing? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <sighs> so my last thing is just that. The almost the last thing that happens in this chapter is that Harry says that he doesn't want to miss out on the fun, but decides that he should get in the fireplace and flew away. And as we have just been discussing, there's nothing fun that has taken place here. This is all deeply upsetting and bad. And I feel I feel of two minds about this, which is okay. I get Harry's initial instinct to take pleasure in the cruelty of people who are deeply cruel to him. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's still super fucked up. And especially Harry as a character, one of the linchpins of his character is that realistic or not in the face of all of this, in the face of all the cruelty and injustice and bullshit that happens to him, he maintains a deep level of empathy and justice for what is right and what is wrong. So it feels real weird for him to, at this moment, give zero fucks about an objectively, a objectively terrible thing happening to a yes. human being. 
I think I think that was the thing that I kept coming back to was that this feels like a moment where we are seeing J.K. Rowling shining through the writing of Harry. I believe that. Because I think that Harry is a better person than J.K. Rowling is. And I think that in these moments where Harry displays this just really, really gross and unempathetic behavior, what we're seeing is the author. You know what the funny thing is? Not the funny Mm -hmm. thing. I've been working on like an essay to work through my feelings about JKR for about a year. And I had a very weird revelation about it listening to this podcast that is deep diving into all of the things around and about the book Lolita. Mm -hmm. And the, it's, it's excellent. If you can get through the sort of overall content warning of the book Lolita. Right. Was that uh, I was into, I was into an episode where they're talking about Novikov, the author, and someone, either the host or a guest host, is like, people assume that Novikov was a terrible person because he wrote this book about a, with a terrible character, but that's kind of ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, the opposite is happening with this book, where just because J.K.R. wrote a really good character who's like honest and empathetic and kind, people assume that J.K.R. was that when she is. Definitely, clearly not. <laughs> right. Whoa, that's so true. Right? And so I think that your observation is an excellent example of this in that Harry Harry Potter, the character, is a good person. But this is a point where we are seeing J.K.R., literal garbage ghoul, <laughs> like peeking through his like Harry's narrative. Yeah. Yep. Checks out. Yeah. I'm still writing that essay. Cause I'm just like, Oh fuck. What a revelation. And I'm like, what do I do with this? I <laughs> cannot wait to read that essay. <sighs> Two years from now. when I finally finish it. Uh, no, we're going to do some sort of, <laughs> some sort of accountability. Co- co-working here. accountability. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chloe just need to listen more to that. Lolita podcast and get inspired yeah, about name that please for people who are <laughs> oh yeah so the podcast is a 10 episode mini series it's just called the Lolita podcast cool welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff the fireplace in their home mm. apparently big enough to fit Four tall people in it? Question mark? I don't know if this is a, it's magic, or a, I don't know logistically how big things are moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay, Jesse. George is pressed up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking if I've been in a home where it looked like I would have enough space to stand up inside of it. And I mean, maybe I haven't seen the fireplaces, but I'm not sure if I have. And from my limited experiences, homes in the UK are much smaller than homes in the United States. I mean, this is a three bedroom 
I don't know. No, it doesn't. I mean, I've, I've, aside from, you know, the sort of grand manner, this is the cooking hearth kind of situations, I've never seen or heard of a fireplace that four people could stand up inside of. Right. Grimaud Place definitely has a fireplace you could fit multiple people in it. And given the history of the ancient and most noble house of black, they probably have fit people in that fireplace. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's magic though, because even honestly, like most fireplaces aren't tall enough for you to just walk out of, you know, you would have to bend down to, I don't know, two and a half feet and crawl out, which isn't even really possible with the way human bodies bend so there must be some sort of magic involved in this yeah like maybe it like magically extends it to be door frame size yeah it's sort of like everyone jammed in a really small entryway versus yeah the logistical space of how big fireplaces inside of homes are yes exactly (sighs) yeah so i want to see what happens if you flew powder into a wood-burning stove with just you know a 10 inch what is that circumference uh you know stovepipe instead of a chimney yeah that sounds like a thing that would definitely get you set to saint mungo's <laughs> i was actually since we just watched spice world together imagining it being like the creepy dude who climbs out of the toilet. oh my god <laughs> being everyone's just a witch because that just also does not make any logistical sense it's commentary on the paparazzi (laughs) 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 (sighs) all right what do you got i got some questions about muggle clothes this is my biggest rant i think where do the Weasley kids get their muggle clothes that they don in the summers if they know how they work and what conglomeration to wear them in? Why can't their parents figure this out? What the fuck? This is honestly, I think, one of the biggest continuity issues of the books of all the series that bugged me even when I was first reading this, reading the series. So we know that adult witches just wear witch clothing unless you're queer like serious and talks and then you wear whatever the fuck you want to like queers in real life get that definitely but right where are these muggle clothes where are these muggle clothes coming from and if they're purchasing it why does i mean does molly know how to use muggle money but author doesn't and like where are these clothes coming from and just what is it just cheaper to buy muggle clothing for kids than it is to buy i'm sure whatever the fuck fancy rich kid shit that like draco is wearing i i don't know it doesn't it does it makes no sense whatsoever yeah it's so silly it's very silly and if we got a sense that witching kids were wearing vintage clearly from a thrift store clothes like all of the Weasley kids just wear shit from the 70s it's just all polyester all the time then you could be you could conceive of the fact that 
all right, maybe they're hand-me-downs. Maybe they're, there's someone in Diagon Alley who's selling like vintage bubble clothing for like cheap mm-hmm. or whatever by the pound. Who knows? Because we don't really get a clear sense of that, it is very confusing. It's also just really frustrating because clothes just aren't that hard to figure out. Just on a really fundamental level, people who grow up wearing only dresses then presented with a shirt and pants would still figure out how that works. It's like, well, my dress covered my whole body with one article, but this article each only covers half. So I must put them together (laughs) in order to be fully dressed. It's just like not complicated. Also, now that you're saying that, I'm a very sweaty person. So I often wear undershirts under like my clothing to just absorb all the sweat. Do witches have like undershirt like, they just, just wear robes. You just wear in a robe, nothing between you and the robe, but nothing underneath the robe. It, that... All the under boob sweat in the whole world. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, it sounds very uncomfortable. Oh my god. Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's fucking so weird. And it feels like an oversight, especially because two chapters from now, we see adult witches, quote unquote, not understanding muggle clothing, which is it common for witches to wear muggle clothing as children? Then it shouldn't be confusing. And you're right. Unless your clothing involves like a wrap that you need to know about a knot or how to like wrap it so it stays in your body a shirt and pants seems like a intuitive thing and i mean i think i'm as we have this conversation realizing how incredibly based in gender the like witches can't do clothes thing that we're about to see is because it's like this one's wearing a kilt and this one's wearing a woman's nightdress and I just, they go out into muggle society. So it just doesn't make sense because it's like they go out, but they're, they don't notice anything that's around them because it's like, oh, well, this one's wearing a kilt because apparently he's never gone out in muggle society and been like, nope, mostly people are wearing pants. I don't know. It just. Maybe, and we'll definitely get into this once we get to that chapter. If the. The societally acceptable form of clothing is a robe slash a dress, essentially. And you go into the muggle world and you're like, well, I got this pink robe. So I don't know what you're trying to tell me is wrong with this. I feel that also kind of makes sense. Oh, I mean, if we're talking about like Archie, is that his name? The old dude wearing the nightdress? I mean, my whole position on him is like, leave him the fuck alone. He's doing fine. Exactly. <laughs> I I have no no qualms with that. My qualm is just that I a muggle by this world's standards, having watched the Harry Potter movies once, if told you have to dress appropriately for a Harry Potter movie, would know what articles of clothing to select to blend in at Hogwarts. These people live amongst muggles all the time 
So it, it literally doesn't track that they are like, I can't figure it out. I don't know what muggles wear. It's like, yes, you do. You definitely, definitely do know what muggles wear. Kind of on a similar, I think the same, the same thing issue wise is the fact that Arthur Weasley doesn't know how to say electricity. This gag is fully nonsensical. Per the conversation that we just had about the potentiality of Arthur being neurodivergent, this is his special interest. Arthur Weasley would be able to pronounce electricity better than any muggle on this planet. He collects plugs and batteries. There's no way that he doesn't know exactly how to say electricity. That is very true. Though I will say, as someone who has trouble with pronouncing with pronouncing words, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if I feel like maybe if it's not a word that he says out loud to himself, often like frequently enough, mm. that I can understand why he would why he would still mispronounce it, saying it out loud to like other people. Because he's probably not. I'm under the impression that his special interests aside, I don't know if he's talking about electrical stuff with his family so but it does seem it does seem strange that it would probably come up in his job constantly though because i'm also a very terrible speller but if there are words that i specifically need to use for my job even if they're like words that i have difficulty with i learn how to spell them because i'm just spelling them constantly or like saying them constantly like every day at my job so yeah i guess i i would want I would want there to be a consistent character trait of Arthur's that he struggles with pronunciation or spelling or whatever with things that are not muggle words in order to be like, yeah, that seems like a reasonable explanation because it feels like it's just it's just here for the gag. And I think I'm just like, I don't appreciate this gag. Like, yeah, or. Right, or if the gag was he was saying it in the sort of sort of real, sort of made up Latinish of like magical spells. Yeah, or if he was putting the emphasis in the wrong place or something. But it's just, or if it, even even if it was a word that just you know, if you are saying it out loud for the first time, you're really likely to mispronounce like segue. For instance, if you've only ever read Segway, the chance that you will pronounce it appropriately out loud the first time, zero. Zero percent chance. This is actually funny. One of my end words, I had to look up the pronunciation of it because I'm like, how do you say this out loud? And I still think I maybe wrote it down incorrectly. I can't wait to find out. But I guess my point is just electricity is phonetic. Even as me, someone who thinks that all vowels are pronounced as a schwa, and therefore I can't tell what vowel goes anywhere ever. But electricity, there's not a lot. Yeah, I'm sure there are people who that maybe is different. We're not trying to shame Arthur or people who have difficulties pronouncing words, everyone. No, this is a complaint with the writing. Yeah, this is this is just us complaining about the terrible author, and not about... <laughs> Arthur Weasley and his neurodivergence. Correct.
Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then make you laugh. Whether you're avoiding your next Zoom meeting, hiding from the world under your weighted blanket, or double masked and headed out for your daily walk around the block, Hashtag Ruthless Productions is here for you. With three great podcasts and a host of bonus content to choose from, Hashtag Ruthless has hours of entertainment ready to keep you company, make you laugh, and give you that sort of weird but also nice feeling of parasocial relationships with your two favorite queer IRL witches. To access everything Hashtag Ruthless Productions has to offer, head over to thegailyprofit.com. There you can find our merch, our Patreon, and links to our social media, as well as ways to donate to keep our work going. Check out the show notes for links to all of these things. Excellent. Thank you. Next up, witches. They're powerful, unpredictable, and merciless. They blast through walls, knock down doors, and attack your children. Protecting your home from witches can feel like an impossible task, but with Witchwatch Home Security Systems, you can rest easy knowing that we've got you warded. Witchwatch is the only home security system specifically designed to protect you from witches with special features like our flew through this fireplace grate, wands away wand disarmor, and reduct oh no you don't wall reinforcements. <laughs> Call 800 DeWitched today to set up your free in home consultation. Witchwatch Home Security. It's the next best thing to burning them at the stake. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, so perfect! <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science. I just have one thing, which is identical twins are identical in a lot of ways. They do not have identical freckles. This this is not a biological thing that is real. And I even have the reason for this. So twins identical in a lot of ways don't have identical fingerprints, don't have the same moles or freckles and or even like the way that their hair grows because there's a whole bunch of just natural chemical modifications that can change the way that people's uh, DNA responds Mm -hmm. and that this website just said generically researchers have found that these changes increase when twins age and and increase the longer they live apart which is weird but the normal kind of differences between identical twins are like birthmarks, moles, their teeth development, their hair patterns, and of course things like freckles. And you could give a magical explanation for this, but no, I refuse no, to believe this. I don't want to. I don't want to. So there are ways, in fact, to differentiate between Fred and George. They do not have identical freckles. Their hair probably grows a little differently. Like, no, this this is this is bad science. <laughs> That's awesome. I had no idea that the that the freckles thing was the case. I read that and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> so I had to Google it. I'm like, no, that does not feel correct. Oh, that's so wild. Yeah. Yeah, epigenetics, man. They're cool. That's definitely why it makes sense that, that things change the longer they live apart because your epigenetics are influenced by your surroundings, by what you eat, by what you're like what you're exposed to by what's in your water like the air you breathe all of that like turns things on and off in your genetic 
sequence. So like if you're living in different environments. Right. So the twins being like the same height and the same build makes makes sense. Right. Like their hair being like the same shade, probably. But one of them must like identical smiles, like identical freck. Like, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> My health and science is that I think it's a miracle that Arthur did not burn their whole house down. <laughs> and I mean, okay, this Please. is like, I hello, know. I live with a builder and also have at new- multiple times in my adult life had only wood wood burning stoves or fireplaces as my like entire source of heat in my home so like i know about a chimney okay and like this chimney has been blocked off and i guess now we're like maybe only for a few years but before i was like probably since like the 70s and you know there's probably birds nests in there that would have caught on fire but also if you're about to like block off your chimney you know wall it off You don't clean it before you do that. So whatever creosote had built up in that chimney previous to them closing it off is just in there. You can't just like knock down a wall, expose your like fireplace that you didn't know was there and then light a fire in it. You have to call a fucking chimney sweep. There's a reason for chimney sweeps. It's because creosote fires are really, really bad and you will burn down your whole house. And I think it's absurd that Arthur was just like... Let me just light a fire in here. Especially because creosote fires are really, like, insidious. Like, he could have left, and, like, hours later, it could have been, like, oh, shit, our house is on fire. I didn't know... I I did know that you you shouldn't light chimneys before they've been clean. I guess I didn't realize that was why. And, granted, as someone who uses multiple kinds of transportation, I don't know much shit about my car. So we can't expect Arthur to know much shit about fireplace maintenance but that seems like one of the things that you would learn kind of like don't smoke a cigarette while you're pumping gas yeah yeah or or change your oil you know or your car's gonna make a really weird grinding terrible noise right like definitely scourgeify the chimney before you light a new fire in it for the first time yeah in carry on the chimney sweep spell would be chim chimney I hope you wrote that down for an episode when we inevitably be like, here are all the spells that we think would exist. <laughs> I mean, I just thought of it right now, but Oh my god. Cool. Cool. We did it. We talked way longer than I thought we would about this episode or about this chapter. We did have a 20 minute Lord of the Rings divergent conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope all the patrons enjoyed that. <laughs> They did. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. If you like this podcast and you're curious about what we mean about how Chim Chimney would be a chimney sweep spell, you should probably read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and then listen to our podcast, Escape from Reality, which is spelled E-S-G-A-Y-P-E. Get it? (laughs) Both of those podcasts are creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. There is a variety of ways you can support us. Um, We've already discussed the financial ways you can do that. If you don't want to spend your stimmy supporting us, which is totally fine, you can like 
and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to, to your podcast. That helps people decide to listen to us and it makes us feel very special. It does. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. We post some really cool, fun things. And then you will be, you'll know when our new stuff drops. Hell yeah. If you want to follow me on the internet to mostly look at the random art that I've been making lately. It's been so good. Thank you. Uh, You can do so. I'm on Instagram at Lark Malachi, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. And you can also use that spelling to find my website where you can probably book a tarot reading from me. They're not available right now, but they will be again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you love mental health memes, birds, and me yelling about politics, you can follow me on Instagram. You do. You love it, whether or not you know it. (laughs) At uh, Live from Detroit and on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song and spoiler warning are are by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. And until next time. Mean-spirited. Martyr. Cheesed. Celeriac. Sullyak. Did I pronounce that correctly? Totally. I like listen to this twice. I truly don't know. I've always said celeriac in my head. According to Google, it is celeriac. Celeriac. Wow, I hate it. Celeriac. Hey, celery root. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not ever. I think celeriac is is a way better pronunciation anyway, and I will probably continue to just call it that. (laughs) Ha ha ha.